Welcome to another episode of the Roll Bama Roll Podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'm joined by Brad Canning. Brad, we have a little bit of catching up to do over the past two weeks. Louisiana Lafayette, Texas A&M, what stood out to you, good and bad? Uh, we'll start off with the Texas A&M game, you know, since we had a bye week last week. So the thing on the good side that stood out from the A&M game overall was the performance of the front seven, especially the, uh, the defensive line. I wouldn't say so much as a pleasant surprise this year, but Quinn Williams looks just arguably top two best interior defensive lineman this year so far in college football. Uh, we're watching him grow right in front of our eyes, but that defense overall especially uh, making a and pay after they took a timeout with three seconds left to get their, I believe it was their ninth sack that game, to close it out. But uh, it uh, that was a good performance by them. The bad would be, other than the field goal kicking, the fact that A&M got to score a touchdown thanks to a bullshit horse collar penalty. And... Screw my parlay up because I had Alabama minus 27 and a half. And, you know, they ended up scoring after that penalty with less than three minutes left. So I'm still not over that. But, you know, those are the two things that kind of I take away from that game. Overall, I think it was it was good. Aiden, they played their hearts out. Kellen Munn did, too, as well. I, I give him credit. I mean, the first half went like I thought being pretty competitive and close. But, you know, Alabama kind of pulled away. But, you know, what in that game kind of stood out to you? Well, it's kind of funny you mentioned Quentin Williams because do you remember maybe two years ago where some of the reporters would at the end of the season would ask some of the guys maybe on their way out or upperclassmen, mm-hmm. hey, who who should we look out for mm-hmm. on this team? And I think it was two years ago, Quentin Williams was the name that everybody said. Like every defensive player had to mention Quentin Williams at some point. So I think that's sort of a testament to waiting your turn a little bit, if that makes sense. Because now, now it looks like, hey, Quentin Williams is going to have the, the option of leaving Tuscaloosa after this year, basically after one season of playing time. Same could be said for Deontay Thompson, who we've talked about. He's going to have a decision to make at the end of the year. What stood out to me bad, it's, it's, it's hard to nitpick, obviously. I mean, they're destroying everybody they play so far. Um, there were a couple of times where a play would break down for Texas A&M and Kellen Mond uh, got some yardage on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that is maybe not something to worry about, but something to take into consideration when they play teams like, say, maybe Ohio State at the end of the year, where you have Haskins who can run a little bit. I mean, he's not he's not a runner; he's a, he's a passer. But if a play breaks down, he can get yardage. Oklahoma for sure. Oh yeah, Kyler Murray. Would, I mean, that's going to be something they need to get fixed <laughs> immediately. Uh, not that Oklahoma necessarily worries me, but that's something that Oklahoma, I think, would, would see on the film and be able to take advantage of to some extent. The good, I know we talked about this before before we started recording, is uh, the standing ovation that Jalen Hurts got. Yeah. But from a fan's perspective and just an appreciation, that was so good to see, man. No, I loved it. Um, I'm happy for the kid, you know, and it's nice to see the uh, majority proclaim that as well. You know, we're not going to harp on all that that's been going on for the last uh, year and a half, but something like that to see was, it was great. No, that was a, really a testament to the fans too. I know we kind of live in a bubble a little bit, like when we're on Twitter or social media, you see certain parts of the fan base like bashing Jalen and, and have been for a, lot, a while, and I, I think you, it kind of gets in your head like, hey, this is what some of the fan base thinks about this guy. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason to think thinking about him. Like he he's done nothing but be a good representative of Alabama, the university, the football program, everything that comes along with it Absolutely. For, since he stepped foot on campus. And, mm-hmm. and I think it kind of it got in my head a little bit where I would see these guys just ripping him apart for no reason. And I'm like, it sort of left a bitter taste in my mouth about part, parts of the fan base. But I think maybe I overblew that in my, in my own 
mind, I guess you could say. And I think Saturday, you could definitely see how most of the fan base feels about Jalen Hurts and how they appreciate him. Because look at what's going on at Clemson. I mean, I know this has been talked about nonstop, every radio station, TV, whatever. Jalen Hurts sticking around is huge for Alabama because you could have a situation like Clemson almost did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it was funny seeing that uh, Clemson beat writer, uh, the female that uh, at the beginning of the season said Saban should take notes on how Dabo has handled this whole thing between Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence and how not even three weeks after uh, that was tweeted, you know, it came to bite him in the ass. And, and how about that? I mean, it, it was literally the very week of him deciding to leave the program. <laughs> the worst case scenario comes up and says, what's up? You know, and, and he gets out uh, removed from the game against Syracuse where they were already down by two scores and with a head and neck injury. But it looks like he's going to be able to start this week uh, against Wake Forest. But, I mean, it's funny because all offseason nationally, I think Jalen and Tua was obviously the biggest story. And it was more of Saban should do this or, or Jalen should do this. And it was dissecting it and criticizing every little in, uh, every little part of it. But lo and behold, up at Auburn with a lake in South Carolina, you know, you've got Clemson, and, and then look what happens with that. And I think that, spe- that bodes very well for the overall perception of Saban overall with quarterbacks, you know, because it's all this narrative of he don't give a shit about his players or he can't develop quarterbacks or he doesn't appreciate good players. Well, I mean, what's going on right now with Tua and Jalen compared to these other places uh, where you're going to see this happen more often now uh, next year too? Yeah, and Saban's going to bat for Jalen right now. I mean, every week, it seems like. Because, again, I, I know, like I said, that there's the portion of the fan base that, hey, they want to see Tua in longer because they, they feel like Nick Saban is hurting Tua's Heisman chances by giving Jalen all this playing time. Well, if Alabama's up 28 nothing at the end of the first quarter, you know, I, I don't want Tyrone Prothrow flashbacks. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I th- And that's actually a decent example. I mean, you you probably remember exactly where you were when you saw Prothro's leg snap in half. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember exactly where I was standing, what I was doing, how I felt, just the reaction of knowing that it's it's over for him. I I didn't know that his career was over, but you know that was that was a sickening feeling that cost it cost a guy's future Mm -hmm. to potentially play in the league, and that's not a situation that we ever want to see again. No, and you know that's the unfortunate side of social media is uh, unfortunately the voice of a couple idiots is overshadowed, uh, or it overshadows the uh, voice of reasoning and you know actual legitimate criticism or points being made. Um, but when you get to a point where you just have to reach so far, your back is consistently getting thrown out because you're trying to reach so far. It's it's a problem, yeah. and I'm going to tell you, you give it another couple weeks, and you mark my words, if nothing doesn't really improve. Uh, whether it's Dick, it's uh, Jim Chaney or it's on Jake Fromm, but you're going to have an unlimited amount of Georgia fans start crying, wanting um, you know Fields to start coming in and playing more, or maybe even starting. So you're going to see what's been going on here happen more in Athens in the next couple of weeks, uh, from what I can tell already. Yeah, and kind of back to the the uh, the transfer role. I know we kind of talked about that with uh, Mark Burnett when he was on and we saw Kelly Bryant dip out of Clemson on a dime. Why does there see if, see if you can answer this for me. So, because in all of these situations, the kid is doing what he feels is best for his future. Correct. Mm -hmm. And the coach is doing what he feels like is best for the team. Correct. Mm -hmm. So why does there have to be like some hard line? There's always a bad guy. Everybody, Mm -hmm. everybody has, you have to take a side. Like you either have to take the coach's side or the program side, or you have to take the kids' side. Why can't yeah, they? I mean, but why is there a bad guy in that situation? Like, why can't people be okay with a twenty-year-old guy 
doing what he thinks is best for his future, and why can't they also at the same time be okay with a coach doing what's best for his own team? Yeah, I mean, you go back to our uh, post-national championship game episode and our friend Aaron Suttles that joined us then, he made a good point there uh, talking about the quarterback competition You know, in the spring looking forward at it, why people feel they have to choose a side why can't you know this not be like politics and you have to choose a side and you just you know support both doing their thing that they feel is best for themselves or overall for the program what concerns me with all of this especially seeing how quickly it almost came back to bite clemson is yeah these kids are especially somebody that all spring and summer of their junior or senior year as a quarterback, especially, you're being told, oh, you're going to start, you're going to play, even though you got this young gun or this guy was playing great at the end of the season before, but it's still you, you're, your, you're our guy, to keep him around and not transfer early so they still have that depth. But just because he lost the starting job like he feared all offseason leading up to this year, Kelly Bryant you know, felt disrespected and everything. Well, that's fine. I get that, and he's already graduated, so take advantage of the rule, but – Literally five days later, he could have been back playing and competing to win the job right back. Yeah, but and, but, and two though, and two had he stayed and say he he goes in that game when Trevor Lawrence goes down, that's that's the end of his eligibility, right? He he cannot retain that red shirt. Had yeah, no, tre- yeah, in that same situation. So if he goes in, finishes that game, and Trevor Lawrence is okay the next week, he just blew that red shirt to play to basically clean up after Trevor Lawrence after he goes down for one game. Yeah, that's a very good point. I guess uh, it would pertain more to week one through three of where I was going with that. Right, yeah. Um, no, I understand but, what you're saying. And maybe, look, yeah. maybe Kelly Bryant comes in and, and kills it. They come back, they win the game, they go in away, and Dabo has sort of a, a moment of realization, like, hey, maybe I should go with my senior and, and then get the young guy some reps too, as opposed to let's just go with the freshman. But I guess none of us really know how that would have played out either. So no. there's a chance that Kelly Bryant goes in, plays those last – two and a half quarters, whatever it was, and that's the end of his career. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. And without him being there now, and, and obviously uh, that backup that stepped in and, and did an efficient job at managing the game, hit a big play here or there. But how, Wes, what, hap- what happens first? Does, does Dabo take the Alabama job or does Hunter Renfro graduate and then actually leave Clemson? Because at this point, how the hell is he even a damn backup quarterback? they got a triple option system for this kid. Like, I mean, he's like herpes. He's never going away. So, um, he's going away after this year, so as they say. Well, wait till the next time it flares up. So, I don't know. Um, Until the Patriots draft him. And then, yeah, you can, then you can like him. Right? Oh, good Lord. Well, I mean. He'll be on your side. Yeah, for two years until they actually don't want to pay him. But uh, Right, yeah. Yeah, he's, he is a Patriots guy if I've ever seen him. I don't know, like, what his draft stock is. If he's even a, a guy that, like, the NFL is looking at, a draft, you know, that's going to go in the mid-rounds or late-rounds or whatever it may be. But that's a Patriots player right there. And I only say that because basically because he's a white guy. In the, yeah, a small receiver. white guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt the same damn way about Ryan Switzer from North Carolina a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the Cowboys did a good job at snatching him up. Yeah. But For whatever uh, reason, they just they utilize that guy. Uh, look, it's perfect. If, if you're a small, undersized white guy playing in college, send your film at the end of your eligibility to New England. Yeah, just and, pray uh, Bill Belichick drafts you. Exactly, or even gives you a chance to try out. So. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to uh, this upcoming weekend, the 11 a.m. kickoff in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Against the Razorbacks. Brad, I think that Chad Morris inherited the worst possible team that Chad Morris could have inherited. And I don't I don't mean that by saying like that Arkansas has the worst roster out there. Chad Morris's system, as we've seen it, is running gun running gun. Fast. 
He wants these smaller, fast guys. He wants to go as fast as he can. He wants a limber offensive lineman. And what did he what did he inherit? <laughs> well, if, if there was Arkansas is south of Iowa, so he inherited <laughs> Southern Iowa. So. I mean, he inherited Brett Bielema's roster full of like gigantic behemoth dudes that want to go at the slowest pace possible and just line up and beat you. Yeah, literally, their offensive linemen get casted in uh, the History Channel's Viking show because they're so damn big. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, what was it, two years ago that Arkansas had the, the largest offensive lineman that had oh, – the o- largest offensive line that had ever set foot on a college football field? And that's oh, not – it, it literally and, was. And it was bigger than the biggest NFL line at yeah, the time, yeah. which was the New York Giants. Right. <laughs> so it's hey. like – God. So to my point, and then you you throw in a guy like say Cole Kelly, who's like this huge methodical quarterback, right? That yeah. can kind of grind it out and get some t- some tough yards on the ground. It's like you just gave Chad Morris the most anti-Chad Morris lineup <laughs> <laughs> out there. I don't I like. I can't possibly even think of a worse one for him to inherit. Well, the fact is, if he gets bowl eligible next year, I mean that's a hell of a job. It's I a mean, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I mean. It, you look at the only other situation I think is just as bad for a coach this year was, you know, Chip Kelly at UCLA and the crap yeah, he inherited. True. And also, he, it, not, unlike other coaches that leave jobs like Chad Morris did to come there, he didn't get to bring any recruits he was already recruiting with him to UCLA because he had been out of coaching for a few years. So he just had no choice of what was there. But they've kicked off 18 players at UCLA <laughs> this year since he took over. They've lost part of their depth chart, like their number twos. So. Look, Chad and Chip are going to sit around. They're going to have one hell of a cocktail and a cigar at some point. But <laughs> going off um, going off the rails a little bit with the Chip Kelly thing, and we'll yeah. we'll, we'll circle back to Arkansas. <laughs> Answer me this: Why did Chip Kelly decide to take Wilton Spate, the Michigan quarterback, as a grad transfer? Because they look at how shitty Harbaugh is overall, but they think he's such the greatest coach in college football that he thinks if he can take a quarterback Harbaugh couldn't do anything with and make him good at UCLA, they're <sighs> going to talk about Chip being the best. I mean, Wilton Spate was awful, Brad. God, I mean, was. awful. And and is not athletic. Yeah. So why why is Chip Kelly – I could see Chip Kelly taking, like, an athlete that's playing quarterback but can't really throw. He just took an unathletic quarterback that also can't throw. Yeah, he took a drum major at quarterback. So, <laughs> I mean, just, that, that's that a confusing move to me. But. Well, that's how you rebuild your brand as a quarterback guru. If you can freaking, you know, make Wilson, Wilson Spate win, you know, a couple games, but UCLA's going to be lucky to win three games this year at this rate. But, uh, uh, yeah. All right. Well, circling back around to Arkansas, there's not a whole lot to say about these guys, honestly. They're, they're pretty bad. Ty Story and Cole Kelly, that's, we're going to get a, probably a large dose of both. It looks like Ty Story is going to be the guy going forward. Uh, I think Chad Morris is kind of easing him into that role because, mm-hmm. like, like we said earlier, Cole Kelly is not a Chad Morris quarterback no um ty story's 44 for 87 50 percent completion rate not not great uh 631 yards seven yards per attempt four touchdowns four interceptions not not ideal no you know i don't want to dive too much into arkansas disrespect we go i want to give them some respect and uh, you know they they have won a game so they did they're not oh and four yep. or oh and five excuse me it could um, be worse it could be worse so I'll give them credit there for already getting a win out of the way. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know what I can highlight with Arkansas <laughs> except the fact that Vegas thinks that they're worthy of at least being under a 40-point underdog. You know, their they're, last I saw was 36-and-a-half, I believe. So yeah. um, that's, that's good, too, you know, because 
Tennessee here in a couple weeks, Alabama's probably going to be favored almost 40 points by them. But I, I had some stats overall about the, this Alabama team that's going to come in there to uh, to Arkansas and those kind of fast, athletic, big old white guys. So Alabama this year has scored 37 total touchdowns already through five games, mm-hmm. and that is the most ever in SEC history through five games. The previous high was 35 by Florida in 96 and 97, the old fun and gun Spurrier offense. So uh, I never thought I could say that sentence before that Alabama has more touchdowns than Spurrier did. You know, you know what, what's fun to think about too, is that they have, they have stepped off the gas pretty quickly in every game they've played as well. So they broke that record by basically not playing offense in second halves. I mean, I think the first three games they scored forty points in the first half. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> so I mean, not not trying incredible. to play the like what could have been, but they. I mean, they broke that record. They could have shattered that record. I'm not one to speculate too much, but I do think Alabama could be averaging almost seventy points a game this year at the the way they were going. Uh, had they kept two in, of course, who still has zero fourth down passes. Which, um, which we are very anti keep to an end on this show. Hmm. Exactly. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, just to set the, set the record straight, we are anti keeping to an end up forty points. <laughs> yeah, uh, our back, our kicker will not do well as a third string quarterback if he goes down. I, so. would, I would literally just rather them pick a seat in the stands, like draw a ticket number. Hey, you're section <laughs> L, <laughs> row B, seat three. Come out and play quarterback for us. You know, then well, leaving to an end up a billion points. Well, hopefully that student's there at that game if they're picked. Um, <laughs> all right, so over 50% of Alabama's plays have been uh, ran with a 28-point lead or more. Think about that. Alabama's been up by 28 or more points when they've ran over 50% of their offense this year. Ugh. The next closest school is App State, and they're at 35%. I mean, that is – we're living in such a sexual feeling offensive <laughs> year right now. It is. Uh, it reminds me of the smiling Bob Viagra commercials because that's what I get watching this team. It's freaking amazing. Anyways, that's not a selfish plug to Viagra, so I'm not getting paid for it. Uh, any other stats? <laughs> <laughs> any other stats you want to throw out there? Um, no, I think you're going to want me to stop there. So. All right. One thing to look out for if you do watch uh, Last Chance You, like I do, uh, mm-hmm. very invested in that show, Rakeem Boyd. Does play for Arkansas. He's he has 31 carries this year. He's averaging 6.2 yards per carry. So right. having a pretty good season. It's it's kind of rare sometimes to see some of those guys actually get back to a big program and have success mm-hmm. when they get there. So it, it's it's kind of nice to you know when I'm going down the the list looking at rushing, receiving stats, whatever. I see Raheem Boyd's name on there and and that he's having a pretty good season. So there is a, a you know if you're into that show, there is that's sort of a, a little highlight, maybe something to look out for. No, I mean, that's good. I'm happy for, uh, you know, somebody like him that bust his ass, you know, got a second chance. And uh, in an offense like that, uh, he's, you know, having some success. So, yeah, and um, I, th- I think as time goes on, you know, because he was kind of tall, slender, quick, maybe not the type that um, Bielema recruited mm-hmm. generally. So I think that maybe, hey, he could he could have some success in that offense. And I think maybe he, he'll – uh, get some catches out of the backfield and everything too. He's already caught eight balls, ten yards per catch, so and not not terrible. 
All right. Well, uh, finally, Wes, I wanted to give a welcome back to uh, the Sports by Brooks account. Brooke Melancholy, he finally returned after almost a five-year hiatus of falling off the grid. And for those of you that you know knew the story or followed it, um, it was a very intriguing story just because of uh, how quickly he just fell off the grid and no one could find him. And then a writer two years ago teased he found him. He had a 10,000-word story about where he went and why and ended up not publishing it. Um, but all of a sudden, Brooks comes back. Um, so the last time Brooks was tweeting, Wes, uh, the head coach of Florida was Will Muschamp, and the head coach of South Carolina was Steve Spurrier. And uh, he's, he's going to have a lot of confusing moments when he catches up in the SEC or college football in general in the last five years. But uh, no, it, it was pretty crazy to get that, that mystery resolved. So I, I found joy in that, of knowing he's all right and you know, he's back. So hey, one thing does remain the same, though. Alabama's still on top. That's true. I don't know if you remember, too, his his one of his last big stories was him and Clay Travis trying to push the uh, suit gate oh, with God. Alabama. Hey, yeah, that all of these Kyle, <laughs> that all of these Alabama players uh, had suits. And, and that's sort of how um, Outkick coverage got started. Oh, that was literally their first story. Yep that he launched that website on. I remember all of that. You talk about pro throw. You remember where you were at that exact moment. Mm-hmm. I remember exactly where I was the day that website launched and that suitgate crap came yeah. out and pictures of tile floor swearing this is, you know, the mall in Tuscaloosa when it turned out the first picture he had was actually beside a kiosk in, you know, the Hoover Mall. So it, it was it was all kind of crap. But, yeah, thanks, uh, Clay Travis. Um, yeah. The wrong person disappeared out of those two for five years. <laughs> you are correct on that. All right, well, here's to uh, Sports by Brooks and Clay Travis trading places. Brooks coming back, Clay Travis being fired into the sun with the rocket that Brad builds daily. Yes. Um, and th- this has been the uh, Roll Bama Roll podcast. Roll Todd.